So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. Hello, and welcome to Everyday Connection with your hosts, Rico Shields and Jean Victoria Norlock. Bringing your inner life to your everyday life. Welcome, everybody. To this Thursday edition of Everyday Connection, I'm Rico Shields, and just to my left here, Jane Victoria Norlock. How are you, Jane? I'm confused. Uh-oh. <laughs> I was all prepared to turn my volume down on the blog talk thing, and it just never played. Really? There's a play button there now. So apparently, you know, you have to, I don't know, if you have to click play to play the episode now. I don't know. It's all very confusing. I'm oh. sure that people will figure it out, though. Oh, you mean the our intro title music stuff? No, I mean just the whole show. Oh. The, I'm, you know, on the show page, we, I got to oh, turn yeah. the volume off so we don't get feedback. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sometimes yeah. they don't auto-start for whatever reason, but it may kick on right in the middle of the episode and give us a nice echo just for fun. It probably will, but we'll know at least where the echo is coming from. Other than that, it's been an interesting day. <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. I have um, I have an interesting new friend. He's the Pied, Pied Pup, Puppy Piper. And it's rather a weird story, but... <laughs> Well, um, cause we how live could out it in the not be nowhere. starting off with the Pied Puppy Piper? The Pied Puppy Piper. Twisted. So we live out in the middle of nowhere on a dead-end road called Bador. And um, this old guy comes touring down the road one day with all his dogs. And his dogs come and make themselves at home in my driveway. And, of course, that gets the attention of my dogs. And so we got to go meet the guy because... Uh, Dogs are that way. So, and I'm going to talk to him, and apparently for every year for the last how many years, he's been house-sitting. Oh, there goes the feedback. Uh-oh. Hold Uh-oh. on. I'll fix it, and then, okay, now I can go on with the story. All right, so blog talk, weirdness. Um, <laughs> so I got to talking with the guy, and apparently he house-sits for a friend. He's been doing it for years and years and years and years and years, and he has gotten into the habit of when he comes down he's here for three to four weeks and he goes a bush every day for like four or five hours and he picks up some of the dogs from the local houses because we're all crazy out here in the wilderness we don't tie our animals up so um as he walks by the the local houses from his house to where he goes into the bush he ends up picking dogs up along the way and he <laughs> He goes he goes to bush with a big pack of dogs every day. And none of them, well, I think two belong to him. Um, but the rest are all just locals' dogs that he's talked to the owners and said, you know, can I take your dog a bush? <laughs> so 
Um, it's his second day in a row. He's taken my my young one out. I I'm not sending the old one out because um his hips won't tolerate it. Yeah. But uh, he's taken the he's taken the young one out two days in a row. Um, even in the storms today, he's storming like crazy here. But he still showed up. I didn't think he was coming, but he still showed up. And uh, he'll he'll pick up your dog, and then when he brings the dog back, he just he just puts her on the the deck and pulls the gate so that she can't get out, and off he goes. <laughs> and off he goes. He's the Pied Puppy Piper. Not it's, so much wanting him a, really to stop and talk with you. It's the dog he wants to talk with. No, yeah. well, he does talk to me. He <laughs> asked if I wanted to go a bush with him because I told him I'm an author and a painter, and uh, he thought it'd be great if I could get out there. I told him, well, if if the weather's warm enough, um, and yes. I gave him some home baked cookies, some home baked gluten free cookies. So he was all excited about that. But uh, nice guy. But he honestly looks like, ah. Uh, some you know, character? I, um, yeah, I'm thinking Jed off of, and I can't remember the name of the show, but there was the Jethro Beverly and Jed. Hillbillies. And Beverly Hillsbillies. Remember, the old guy was Jed, right? Yeah, Jed Clampett. Yeah, okay, well, he looks like Jed, except for he's French. Ah. Uh, but honestly, it's like the clothing, the whole bit, and just hilarious. And um, I'm going to have to get a picture of him with, with his gaggle of dogs. He's <laughs> back, yeah. Yeah. Fact. But he has fact and I bet Molly just loves that. She does. Yeah. When he goes his finished house sitting, you know, every afternoon Molly's gonna be looking at you like it's time to go a bush. What are you sitting? Get up. <laughs> she, she 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 yeah, she came back just covered in mud. But apparently she really loves to swim because 'cause she's been swimming. <laughs> and so, yeah, so that's that's my crazy crazy story about my pied pup, puppy piper who lives down the road and comes in Takes my dog away every day. <laughs> uh, that's I don't awesome. think. Is but it? yeah, you can you can go a bush with him if it gets warm enough because you've been feeling all better and yeah. stuff. I feel much better, much much better. Much better. Tons better. <sighs> yes. yes. Well, yes. that's just lovely. I didn't really have a weird day today too much. Chase technology around in circles, but I do that often. It comes and tries to chase me, so I just chase it back, and then it, we have fun. And you have to wonder who's who's winning that battle. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's like the two squirrels that chase each other out here around my squirrel feeder. They right, right. Yeah, they chase each other even when the there's no food in the feeder. They're just chasing each other for just fun. Chase each other for fun. We yeah. used to watch um, my friend's cats. If the cat and the squirrels didn't know that you're watching. They used to play tag in the backyard. But as soon as a human came around, then the cat got all serious. And it was like, it looked like he was going to kill the squirrel. But if you watched through one of the upstairs windows, you could watch them and they would play. And the squirrel would chase the cat and then the cat would chase the squirrel. And it was a very weird scenario. But I think that animals just do that because they, you know, we expect them to. We expect them to act with each other like we act with each other. Right, right. Or, or we have and so the, a pecking order in our are, head. You know, the cat will try to eat the squirrel. Surely they couldn't be friends. Right. And so as soon as you show up on the scene, boy, the cat goes, all right, run, run hard, and takes off like they're going to eat him. But, you know, well, I think, I think they I all think get around the campfire later and laugh at us. I think so. I think they're catering to, to our whims. And to our our vision of what the world should be, um, or what we believe the world is, um, 
And I think as our belief changes, and that's why I think people are seeing more and more friendly interaction between species. You see that a lot more often yeah, now. Yeah. A lot of things posted in the news and, and on the Internet about species and species interaction. So I think now that we're finally figuring out that we don't need to be fighting with each other, it's kind of, you know, the they animals might, are kind they, of going, okay. They might hey. figure out they don't have to fight with each other. Well, they well, probably, I don't, they already know. They just do it put on a show for us. <laughs> I really do think they accommodate us. But you know who would know about fighting with each other? Inez. No? No, I was I was talking about the humans fighting humans. And oh, the humans fighting humans. I, I don't know. Who would know? Yeah. We should get somebody that knows. Well, I was thinking that our guest might know a little bit about that. I was thinking I was thinking so. He's certainly passed the guest patient's test where we banter on about such meaningful things. And uh, <laughs> But we have with us tonight uh, author and actor and poet, multifaceted, multi-talented, Mr. Darius Garrett. Welcome, Darius. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me here. Uh, it's our <laughs> pleasure. Absolutely. So we're going to jump right into the big, big important question of the night. And then uh, who knows what's going to happen after that. But uh, basically, I just want to know who on earth are you and what do you do? All right. Well, my name is Darius Garrett. Um, As he stated before, I'm definitely an author, actually a best-selling author, um, actor and motivational speaker. And pretty much most of everything that I am has come from the fact that I'm one of the original Freedom Writers that co-wrote the book Freedom Writers Diary in 1999 that was made into a film in 2007 called Freedom Writers starring Hilary Swank. And the good thing about that is that my image was actually uh, depicted on the screen through the character named Marcus that his friend shot himself as well as he was homeless. So that's definitely my story and uh, that was a very interesting situation as well. So that's who I am. So now people find it hard to, well, actually they're getting better at it, but um, in the past people have found it really hard on some level to really open up um, in a public mm-hmm. way about their struggles and their challenges because uh, we have this right. misconception that it's not okay to be weak, it's not okay to ask for help. So how was that for you to take your life? And, I mean, it's one thing to pour it onto paper. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. Hello? Uh-oh. Did we lose Jane? Jane. Jane went away. <laughs> um, it's maybe one thing, I think, where she was going to, you know, pour it out on paper, but an uh, entire another to have, like, the world looking at it in technicolor. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a big deal, and it's very humbling. And I would say it's definitely humbling, more or less than uh, overwhelming, because of the simple fact that, you know, there's people that come to me on a daily basis um, telling me about how, you know, much my story personally, as well as our stories as freedom writers, has helped change their lives. You know, so uh, I'm very intrigued by the uh, different people that the movie as well as the book 
as far as their lives that we've been able to touch because, I mean, it's just so amazing to take something that was so small and have it magnified to such a broad base of being on, you know, film and everything else where so many people can see our lives on the big screen and be able to say, you know what, I appreciate you for who you are and what you've been through. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, uh-oh, we have ringing. <laughs> I didn't know it was going to ring. So she'll, Jean will probably say hi in a minute, I hope. Okay. Uh, hi. hi. Welcome. Hello? Sorry about that. Yes, it's I'm okay. Here. That happens. That happens. Um, so I went on and just pretended like I knew what you were going to say, and I asked him it's one thing to spill it on paper and it's another to see it in a film and he answered it expertly and deftly and you'll get to listen to it on the tape I, I guess. bet I will <laughs> um, okay which you know brings me to my next question for those of us who don't who haven't watched the film um, and who don't know really much about the backstory how did you guys end up publishing, you know, a book? And I'm looking at your pictures. You're not very old at the age that you right, are right. now. So obviously you were very young when you were a part of writing this book um, that became yeah. a bestseller. How did the project get started? How did it end up getting published? Who was involved? I mean, what is that all about? How? Well, it all started out as a situation where we were actually supposed to just do this journaling just for ourselves. And what happened is that, and I tell this story in my book, Diary of a Freedom Writer, the Experience, because it's very important and key to what happened with us and the success that we had. And also I feel it will actually show a lot of authors of how important it is to write not just for everyone else, but to write for self. So if people don't accept it, it's still a great work because it's something that you enjoy. And so for us, it was very therapeutic to write. And so she started to do things like give us a thing that we call a free write. And then a free write, you just write whatever comes to your head. So I tell this story in the book about the fact that for my free write, be it that the things I was going through, I didn't necessarily want to share that because I was very closed and to myself and dark. So I decided to just write the first thing that came to my mind, like she said, just so I can get through the class. So what was the first thing I wrote? I wrote pizza. And then after that, I wrote Pepsi. And so <laughs> when it came to everybody reading their, you know, writings, she asked, well, Darius, what did you write? And I was like, you don't want to hear what I wrote. She was like, no, I do. What did you write? And so I was like, I wrote pizza. And everybody just died laughing. Like, they are just hysterically laughing. And she was like, well, why did you write that? And I was like, I don't know. I mean, you said the first thing that came to our hair, right? And she was like, all right, well, whatever. What else did you write? And I was like, I wrote Pepsi. And everybody started laughing again. And she was like, wait a minute. Why are you writing these food items? And I was already a big guy, so everybody automatically was like, oh, fat boy, and things of that nature. But the thing is, and the genius of this teacher, Erin Gruel, was that she was able to take something like that, that someone would have just probably thought, oh, this young man is being a class clown. Let me send him out of here. Let me not deal with him and, and everything. She took that and turned it around 
and said, okay, the first thing you wrote is pizza. The second thing you wrote is Pepsi. Why did you write that? And I was like, well, because I'm hungry. And she was like, well, why are you hungry? Lunch just, you know, we just had lunch. Why are you so hungry? And I was like, because I didn't eat. And she was like, well, why didn't you eat? Then I started feeling bad about myself because it made me think about my situation. And I stated, well, because I don't have any money. And she was like, well, why don't you have any money? And then I was ready to walk out the class because I realized at that time that I was homeless. I didn't have anything. So when she brought that out, she made it clear that I'm not on the adversary side, but I'm on your side, and I'm bringing out the fact that how could you do a class assignment? How could you do homework? How could you concentrate or do anything that you need to do when you have real problems going on, like trying to figure out where your next meal is coming from, where you're trying to figure out where you're going to live? things that you should worry about as an adult, but yet you're going through it at the age of 14, 15 years old. So that was very amazing to me. And because of that, that kind of influenced me to write more and more about the things that I'm going through because I realized, and we all realize as a group, that there are other people that are going through the same things. And a lot of times it feels a lot better when you don't feel like you're going through this thing by yourself. When you feel like you have someone with you, it makes it a lot better, and that's the reason why I feel it contributed so much to the success of the Freedom Writers Diary because the things we wrote about were so so in your face and, and just so uh, so much of what the youth are going through today that they couldn't do nothing but support it because, I mean, it was that comfort. It was that comfort that people need. I mean, we're now, what, um, the movie came out in 2007. We wrote this in 99. This is now 2013, so we're years past the time that the book came out, and we're still receiving the same amount of people that we had in the first time um, that the book was even released that are supporting the book. It's been translated into 11 different dialects. It's a New York Times bestseller, and I'm just proud of it. I'm proud of the body of work that we did, and I'm pretty sure that Diary of a Freedom Writer would definitely do the same. I am I I can't believe I haven't read this thing yet, which I'm <laughs> I'm, like, wow. um, I'm ashamed I haven't read this thing yet. But yeah, you're you're so right. You know how many teachers would just would just assume that this was a child that was either lazy or slacking or just didn't care. I mean, how often do we wow. have that perception about our youth that? They do these right. things because they just can't be bothered to put the effort in. But do we ever stop to ask them, is there a reason? Is there a reason why you can't put the effort in? Is there a reason why you don't want to put the effort in? Is there a reason why you don't even want to answer the question I'm asking? You know, and that's so important. Right. And and you're so right. I mean, part of a huge part of the reason why we do this show is because we believe just like you do that to share the journey to share the experience to share the ups and the downs and to share them honestly and truthfully and openly and to stand on the truth of who you are and what you're experiencing is to to open your arms to the world and to help to lift it up and say that you're not alone and that's what people need to hear. Exactly. You're exactly right. People need to know that they're not alone, that that the challenges and um, the the pain and the sorrow and the fears that they fear are not things that, you know, they have to face by themselves. 
because other people out there right. are facing them as well. And right now, you know, that's why I do what I do as far as motivational speaking and going out to different schools and conferences and churches and various things like that to be able to talk to people because of the simple fact that when I deliver a speech, I deliver a speech based on experience. And uh, I give – what I do is I go into the place, I actually feel the vibe of the room, I see exactly what it is that they would like to be um, – have this talk about or my speech be about – and then I actually put it towards that scenario, be it bullying, be it suicide, be it all these different things, drugs, things of that nature. And, and I cater it to them because the simple to the um, people that I'm speaking to specifically because everybody goes through different instances of different things. And what I mean by that is, like, there may be all of us that go through uh, – uh, suicidal thoughts, but one may go through suicidal thoughts because they feel alone. Another may feel suicidal thoughts because they lack love. Another may feel suicidal thoughts because they lack finance. The great thing about me that's also bittersweet, which is also a bad thing, is the fact that I've actually been through all three, but yet I'm able to cater to that specific uh, group you know, and be able to speak about my experiences with those things and be able to tell them how you can come up out of that and be on top. You know, I mean, it's so sad how many people are committing suicide these days. And at this time, finances don't even matter because there's people that are millionaires that are committing suicide as well as people that are uh, poverty-stricken that's committing suicide. And I think the reason and the answer of that is because we all lack hope we all lack tolerance of, of, of the situations that we're in. And once we're able to tolerate that and think higher-minded of the things that we're trying to do and what we're trying to become, things will be a lot better for us. But it takes somebody, just like with Aaron Gruel, it took that one individual to bring that hope out in us to be able to illuminate the whole room with a bunch of lights that can actually go into the world and be able to make the world a better place. Well, I mean, you have to... When you're in a position like that where you're uh, uh, you're completely hopeless, you're feeling hopeless, you need right. somebody to come along and remind you that you're worth something, that your thoughts and your right. feelings have validity, that they right. you know have substance, and it's a substance that the the world requires in order to be whole. And, and I think we forget that so often when we're going through these challenges, you know, we feel so worthless, and we forget that Definitely. that the little tiny part of what we are that we feel doesn't, you know, it's not important. It is because without us, the world isn't complete, and everybody right, has right. a role to play for for you know better or for worse, for big or for small. We all have a role to play, and. You know, I, th I think, honestly, we're always saying it on the show, the best way to to see awesomeness come from people is to just tell them how awesome they are. Exactly, exactly. And it's, I mean, the way I use a lot of analogies, but the way I see it is that the world is full of candles. And sometimes some candles burn, some candles shine bright, some are getting dim, and some just aren't shining at all. So what it takes is those that do shine and those that can ignite or bring forth fire within these other candles should do so. And so because there's not going to be, I'm not always going to be on top. I'm not always going to be 
the you know the cheerleader and everything else, and I'm gonna need that sometimes. So if I'm able to invest that in you and into the people that I go and do my speaking engagements to and everything else, then when I need that fire and when I need my fire to be ignited and lit, relit again, you know, then there's somebody else that's able to be on top and be able to do the same thing. And that's what kind of bothers me about the speaking world is that. We have a lot of people that are so worried about you taking their position and everything else, but and even with authors, you know, they worry about you taking their positions and, and things like that or outshining them. But one thing I realize is that we're all in this together. We're all in this world together. We exist together. Granted, there is competition here and there, but friendly competition on certain things, but yet and still we have to realize that we all need each other in order to survive. Like they said, the statement that it takes a community to raise a child. I firmly believe that on top of the fact that it takes each other to raise each other because a lot of us, because of the fact that we're grown, our adults still aren't wise. You know, we still aren't learned of the things that, you know, we need to know in life. So we, it's up to us to educate each other, and that's why writing and writing books is so important because there's something that I can give that you can't, and there's something that you can give an aspect of life that I can't because the fact that my experiences are very different from yours. So for me to give an account of the things that I went through, like with this book, Diary of a Freedom Writer, it's not the Freedom Writer story. It's Darius Garrett's story as a Freedom Writer. See, there were a lot of things that happened with the Freedom Writer group that I encountered, but then when I went home, I had to deal with things as well, such as getting stabbed, still trying to get out the gangs, still trying to get away from drugs. I mean, those things aren't that easy to just say, I'm done. You can't just walk away from it. In your mm -hmm. mind, you can tell yourself you're done, but there's a process, just like everything else is a process. And so mm -hmm. that's a lot of, that's a thing, too, that I talk about as far as um, when I do speaking engagements is the process of change, the process of, of being able to transition from one person to the next or from one situation to the next because it's not as easy as the movie make it seem. The movie makes it seem like, and I, I understand how Hollywood works because the fact that they have to fit six, seven years into an hour. <laughs> yeah. So it's really hard to do. It's really hard to do as well as it's, it's almost just as hard to, to do it into a book. I mean, if we did all of the Freedom Rider experiences individually into a book, it would be a huge encyclopedia type, you know, situation <laughs> because everybody goes through different things. So with that, you know, I'm glad that, you know, there's people that, you know, like you guys that have your show and you support authors like myself and people like myself to get the word out of what we're doing because there's a lot of people that don't allow that and, and they're just only interested in what's going on for the moment. But it's things like this that you guys are doing that will actually last and actually help the world, you know, as far as people are concerned, to be better and make, make everyone else better people. Well, I, I honestly, and thank you for for saying it, but yeah. I, I know Rick will agree with me when I say that this this show has has saved our lives more than we've I think more than we've saved anybody through the show. I mean, yeah, I'm sure that we've we've touched some hearts and minds, and that's fantastic. But the show has taught us so much. I, it, it goes right. back to what Darius was saying about 
the person I lift up today may be the one that lifts me up tomorrow. Yeah. And and mm-hmm. so if I don't lift them up today, they might not be there when I need them tomorrow. And exactly. And and that every writing that you do is a masterpiece because it was a masterpiece for you. If other people enjoy it, that's right. cool. But it, you know, I. I hear from young people all the time, well, I, 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 I could never let anybody, I'm not going to write any of this down because I could never let anybody read it. And I'm like, you don't have to let anybody read it. You can write it down and burn it. I don't care. Sometimes the writing it down <laughs> is the thing. The yeah, my, out in front my daughter of you. said that about her blog. She said, you know, are, are, you, can, you can write it. I'll, you know, give me some of your stuff and I'll put it into a book and we'll publish it. She's like, yeah, but it's all so dark. And I'm like, so that's what you're experiencing right now. You know, why right. we need to not hide from those emotions, and that's why what you guys did was so beautiful because you came through with honesty. You know, you right. didn't and, you didn't shy away from the reality of your situation. You said, "This is it. This is what right. we're going through, and we're going to allow the expression of this experience and the sharing of this experience to be our healing journey." Right, right. Because yeah, as as much as people talk with law of attraction and this and that and the other, it, sometimes people get this feeling they can pretend things away because they talk about pretend it so you can feel the feeling of the good feeling of this thing you want. But you can't pretend. You've got to start where you are. You've got to accept, okay, this is where I am. Or you can't take the first step. It, it's okay to dream. Where do you? How do you want it to be one day? But you can't right. act on that. You you also have to accept. Okay, today I'm here, and so this is where I start climbing or walking or writing or, you know. And and it's to me the the love that's in that story is the the acceptance that y'all found from this teacher and and then from each other of exactly. who you were right that minute. Not who you, yes, right. who you could be was a wonderful thing, and I want to, I want you to know who you could be, but, but I'm okay with who you are right now today, you know. Right. And that's true. It's, I, I, I tell you what, it, I, I am a firm believer that it's almost like the answer to world peace. If everybody knew that they were loved and accepted right where they are, how they are, with no false. Baloney. Uh, I don't think you'd have people doing these crazy things. I don't think anybody would have any reason to fight. If you could walk out your door every day and know that whoever you are, as you are, is perfectly okay with the rest of the world, and that you will not be judged for for it, you you would just go about your business and and do what your heart needs you to do. You would have no reason That's to true. set up defenses. You would have no reason to set up walls. You would have no reason to keep people at arm's length or to to hide things from people because you wouldn't have anything to protect yourself from. And it, isn't it right. in, in the fear of a thing? When we fear something, like we fear the judgment of other people, when we fear something, we learn to hate it. Right, you know? right. So That's true. I, I, and to fight it and try to control it and... Yeah, you know, it's like the statement says that people fear what they don't understand, and it's like I can understand it from both spectrums because you're afraid of what that thing or something can do to you. 
you know, and one thing, the first law of man is self-preservation. So if you feel like something is threatening your preservation or self-preservation, you're going to automatically fight against that, you know, and if you fear that, obviously your fear comes from the fact of you feeling like, you know, you won't be preserved or the self-preservation won't occur. So if we all felt and tolerated things where we were able to understand people, then therefore it'll make us more tolerant, it'll make us more um, easy and not not fearful of what what could occur. Main example, I know when I was growing up, I, there were a lot of gothic, quote-unquote, people that came into the world and that decided they wanted to be different and everything else, and a lot of people in my school feared that. But once I began, even myself, but once I began to find out where they came from and, and where the idealistic thoughts of, of what they felt um, as people of acceptance and they could care less about acceptance because they love themselves, it, it became a situation where I began to understand what it was all about so I didn't fear it as much and, and you know, it became a good thing. And so that was another thing that came out within the Freedom Riders because we were like, a crayon box like there were so many races creeds colors genders sexual orientations everything and that was the brightness and great thing about the freedom writers because when we went around people seen all these things and there were at least one person within our group that would that someone that encountered us could verify themselves with you know and they would say okay well i can see myself being this person that's what they did in the movie they tried to bring out enough people that other people can actually verify themselves with, such as uh, the young lady Ava, which was the Latin American lady. Then there was a the guy based on me, Marcus, which is the, you know, kind of big, heavyset guy, but yet he went through these other things. And there was Andre that had his situation. Then there was the refugee girl that, you know, so, I mean, they tried to do it. And then there was the white guy that was in there, you know, and so they, they had – the group that actually, you know, could be identified by anybody in, in any culture. And I think that's what made, that was the genius of not just the movie, but the book, that the things that we wrote in there could relate to anyone from any walk of life. Because we had rich kids in there, we had poor kids in there. I mean, like, uh, I don't know if you guys know, but um, if you're in the baseball, one of the star players um, baseball players at our school now play, well, he played for the Padres. His name is Sean Burroughs. He was a freedom writer. You know, and there's okay. other people as well that was part of the freedom writers as well that didn't necessarily come from a jacked-up background or a jacked-up past, you know, but yet still we all lived off of each other because just because Sean Burroughs didn't come from a messed-up past and his dad was a big-time baseball player and he's going to be a baseball player and everything else, who's to say that he didn't have issues with other things that needed dealing with that we actually, you know, didn't care where he came from or who he was and he didn't care where we came from or who, you know, who I was, you know. So it's, it's, it was a real good thing and it was a beautiful thing and, you know, I hope that different people can continue to implement that and, and uh, kind of be not a copy of it because I want people to be themselves, but just be able to realize what's important. You know, just like you were saying, Rick, about the fact of like almost like world peace. If we're able to tolerate each other, 
and we're not fearful of each other and we're we're willing to talk to each other and befriend each other, then yeah, I mean it can be the, the, the cause of world peace because how could you uh you know fight your your friend? You know, right. how could you kill your friend? So that's definitely I I, I definitely you should uh, go ahead and run for governor. Well <laughs> you know it, it, society has for a while now seemed to focus on our differences. You know. Right. Oh, those are the Muslims over there and the Jews are over there and the Christians are over here and the Buddhists are over right. there and we're not sure about them but they're quiet so we'll we won't worry about them too much and 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 and, and, and it's like this energy that wants to just separate, separate, separate and Pretty soon right. you end up with a whole bunch of individuals fighting for survival, and they have no they they think they have no support, no community around them and um that's scary and um uh, you know I had a health issue, and i couldn't I could barely walk around my house at one point, and there was really just like nobody that I could call and and it does force you to find that strength within yourself, I suppose, but it can also be a place of real desperation. And uh, you know, it, it it it's not just that it takes a community, but we we long. For, I think we all long for community. We all want to belong to something. Uh, right. You know, I don't think kids. Oh, sure. Some kids may join gangs because they think there's going to be money or they think there's going to be this, but I think most of them join because they just want to be- feel like they belong somewhere to something. Belong. Right. Somebody to have their back. Right. And yeah. if they if they feel like they can't get it any other way, there you go. And, um, you know, suicide bombers, they're desperate. They, got, they think they got nothing or they wouldn't do that. Right. You know. Right. Have you ever seen the movie uh, Skulls? Uh, it's a movie called Skulls about the. It, it was pretty much a movie about a group, you know, a group of guys, and you know, they kind of became this like, like, <laughs> like almost like a gang, you know, and they began to, you know, just kind of take over different things and and stuff, and and so when I think about the situation, I think about that movie because. That's pretty much how, in my eyes, the world works is that, you know, we have these groups and these groups, they kind of join together and their whole thing is about domination and taking over everything and bringing their ideologies into, you know, and pushing them on other people and everything else. And I don't believe in that. You know, I firmly believe in the fact of, you know, everybody believes what they want to believe and everybody believes in what they believe for a reason. You know, and the reason is because what you believe in is who makes who what you are and who you are. So who am I to kind of downplay or get mad at anybody or try to fight somebody or kill somebody because of what they believe? You know, and I think that's where the whole tolerance thing comes in because even like, I mean, you're you're right in the sense of, we separate ourselves with gender, we separate ourselves with religion, we separate ourselves with ethnicity, we separate ourselves with financial statuses. I mean, it's just so sad that even with African Americans, we even separate ourselves light-skinned, dark-skinned, you know, and I feel all this separation is horrible because the fact that when you all cut us from head to toe, 
and and there's an autopsy done. We all bleed the same blood. We all have the same organs and everything else. And so be it that that's the case on the inside, then why can't we turn the inside out and realize that we are all the same? Yeah, everybody is different. And like I said, we all have different beliefs and everything else, but why can't I respect you for your belief and you respect me for mine? You know, granted, I feel there's only one truth, and I feel the truth would be revealed to everyone, you know, eventually, you know, and and it'll all come together because I feel that we are all, and and I consider religiously, I consider myself a Christian, you know, so it's not like I'm atheist or anything like that, Um, but I do firmly believe that, you know, in, in truth and everything else and in knowledge that wisdom is given to all of us. And when wisdom is given to all of us, I feel that we all come to a point where we're wise enough to be able to make an informed decision on what's right and what's wrong, and I think that's what it all comes to, what's right and what's wrong, what's good and what's bad. And if we choose not to do what's right, then we get bad, you know, bad repercussions for making a bad decision. And we just got to try our best to make good decisions, but we got to help each other out to do that. And a lot of people don't want to help each other out. They just want to build more jails and everything else. To consider that as dealing with the problem, but that's not dealing with the problem. What we need is more schools. What we need is more institutions that's able to teach right and wrong, that's able to teach wisdom, that's able to teach all these different things. And if we can't do that, then maybe we should go back to where we started in the beginning of our parents being educated and being able to teach our children in homeschool. We also need to we also need to provide at a, at the basic fundamental level, and that's I think where a lot of a lot of these problems come from. I mean, kids kids don't go out and start stealing and start killing and start doing drugs and drinking excessive amounts of alcohol because right. they have everything they need. They ha- they they do those things because they're lacking something that the fundamental basic need in order for them to continue the growth process. So we need to make sure that if everybody had those fundamental basics, if everybody had food and shelter and and support. And support and acceptance. And and support and acceptance. If everybody had those basic things, then nobody would have any reason to act out against society they would naturally contribute their time and their energy back into the community that shelters and protects and acknowledges them as as you know a whole yeah and person it's just, society so often leaves people feeling like society doesn't want me i don't fit i don't belong there's no place for me well that's the same as holding a pillow on somebody's face right and, right and and when you do that, it, it, it really doesn't matter who. They will fight, you know, kick and scream to try to save themselves. Right. And that's right. And in, in in this acting out, whether it's, you know, gang problems over here or some rich child going and shooting up people in a movie theater, it's mm-hmm. that's the same. They've got the pillow over my face. I'm suffocating over here. And so I'm going to kick and scream right. and try to save myself. And uh, it's not, I don't, I really, it's the pushing against them. They feel pushed against 
by society instead of accepted. Mm-hmm. It's not that right. Uh, they didn't just get and so born what they one do day. Is they fight back. Yeah, they didn't just get born one day and say, "Well, I I think I'm going to grow up to be a mass murderer." You know? <laughs> I haven't met very many three year olds that had that on their list, but you know, my, my grandma, my grandma but, always said she always, always, always said that there is no such thing as a bad child. Right, right. That's definitely true, and I feel that in the acting out, there are things that do occur. Uh, sometimes I will say I feel there are things that do occur chemically, but the reason why I feel they occur chemically because of the things that come from the source. You know, if you want to find out, like main example, one thing I learned, and I learned from every job that I worked at, which has been many, but I used to work for uh, Dryer's Ice Cream. And one thing that I noticed is when there's a problem wrong with one of the uh, packs of ice cream, they stop the whole production. Why do they stop the whole production? Because there's something wrong with the source. Not just with that one box and you just throw the box away. you got to check the source. And so I feel that in that you have to look at the parents and say, well, what's going on with the parents? What did the parents do? Because sometimes these kids are kids that are products of drugs or something like that from the parents or it's a situation where the parent probably has to work so much. See, in my situation, I was a latchkey kid. My mother was great. My mother was great uh, when I was younger, you know, but I was a latchkey kid. And that means that my mother worked so much that pretty much I had to come home and kind of take care of myself or go to my babysitter's house and have her watch me until my mother got home, which was very late because she worked in a convalescent home, so she would work from night to the morning or you know, all these weird hours. And so what happened is while she was doing that, I was exposed to all these other things that was going on in my neighborhood. Like I talk about in my book, in the opening of it, I talk about the fact of this young woman that's getting beat up and she's being put into a gang. You know, she's being jumped into a gang. So all these things that I'm being exposed to are being embedded into my mind where I'm thinking that it's accepted. I'm thinking that it's okay. Now take me out of the equation and put in a young kid from Sarajevo, from Bosnia, or somebody from Russia, or somebody that's from a place that's war-torn where they're having wars and they're born into this, That they're going to automatically think that's what the reality is, and that's why these things occur, from these bombings to these attacks and everything else, because this is what they firmly believe. A lot of people from me traveling to Europe and things of that nature firmly believe that the U.S. is the enemy, the U.S. is the devil, and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then from our point of view, we firmly think that other countries are the enemy. And, you know, when we see somebody from Iran or Iraq, we think that they're going to bomb us. You know, <laughs> you know, it's sad. It's yeah, sad, I, but the I thing is, that. all this is learned. I discovered the same thing when I was traveling. It was, you know, it's always been, where are you from? Because I am obviously not English. <laughs> Well, I'm Canadian. Oh, okay, you're not American then. Okay, you're not American then. Okay, okay you're good. not American then. You're okay. And, and, and that, you know, uh, even Canadian and working with Americans for the last three years, I still even have myself have some of those prejudices, believe it or not, just right. from yeah. years and years and years of being fed crap from the media and not mm-hmm. getting to know on my own level people that actually live in the americans you know like i don't you know you got to learn 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 to meet the people who actually live in the usa the normal ordinary everyday people who have kids have families have jobs 
go to school, those people, you know, get to know them, and, and those prejudices start to go away. And I think that that's happening now on such a massive scale thanks to thanks to the Internet that, you know, and that's why the changes are happening so fast now. That's why, you know, well, there's you so much... you get everybody communicating, and it, it gets to be hard to get a war going. If you look at historic yeah. propaganda they call it if you're on the losing side, and patriotic, they call it if you're on the winning side. But it doesn't <laughs> matter whether you look right. at, at, at the German propaganda or the American war posters and, and, mm-hmm. and things. The, the, the Germans were the Krauts, you know. They, were, they, they, they looked like zombies in some of these posters and stuff, you know, like a modern zombie. Right. Sure. And okay, German propaganda saying that you know Americans want to eat their babies and stuff. Yeah, well, but it wasn't any bigger lie than we were telling about them because it's just been known forever and a day that it's hard to go shoot Bob, but you can go shoot a Kraut, you know. Right, and, right, right. And so that separation—if you're going to get people to do that—you just have to have that gulf of separation where they think they're different. Uh, or they just don't, you know, it's like that fella in Israel that just said, okay, look, I've had it with this government talking about bombing these people. And so he goes on, makes this poster that says, dear Iran, I don't want to bomb you. I don't even know you. And he started a movement, tens of thousands mm-hmm. of people. Yeah. Because it's true. I, 90% of the population anywhere just wants to, you know, go to work, feed their kids, go to the movies. They interviewed some poor guy in the Middle East, some poor farmer guy out in the middle of the desert in the Middle East, and asked him about 9-11. And he had no idea what the hell they were talking about. <laughs> he he had absolutely no idea. He's like, that's what this, that's why there's soldiers in my backyard? You know, what? <laughs> that's stupid. Those what are you talking about? People, you know, and... Because say, just, I just want to grow my goats and feed my family, and you know, like, why are you bring your guns here? I, yes, I didn't I, plant I did, the bomb your tower. A, you know, I'm I'm a Muslim, and you know, I follow the precepts of Islam as I see them. But frankly, if people would stop and read the book or ask somebody in an open, not condescending manner, what what it right. is to think, you'll find that really the the vast bulk of teachings are about loving each other and being peaceful with each other and and being tolerant of other religions and all of that stuff. I have, and, I have a friend you know, who... the sad thing... Oh, go ahead. I have a friend who gave me an English version of the Quran, and then um, I left work, and I, I went back a couple months later, and he said, so... Have you finished reading the Quran yet? And I said, No, I haven't finished reading it. He said, You still have it. I said, Of course. It's in the only place in my house where I think that it really belongs. He said, Where's that? I said, Sitting right beside my Bible. And he said, That is the only place <laughs> in your house where it belongs. Right, right. You know, he's like, That's exactly where it belongs, sitting right beside you. And he's and- Muslim. So he obviously got it and understood where I was coming right. from. He was he didn't give me the book to try and convert me quote-unquote, right. he gave me the book because I right. asked him about his religion. I asked him about his belief system. I wanted to know. Yeah, and when you do it that yeah. way, because you want to know, not when you come from the position of, I believe the only correct belief. 
So tell me what you think so I can tell you what's wrong with it. <laughs> That's, right. Nobody enjoys that conversation, ever. Right. Really. Exactly. And and it it really... How many people walking around the streets of the United States, you know, you, have, you walk up, ask them, what do they want? They want to go to the movies. They want to go see their girlfriend. They want to, you know, they don't they don't want to ideologically change the planet, really, necessarily, except right. maybe in the direction of peace. But that's mm-hmm. only when you ask them to think about it. If you really could listen to their, inside their heads, they're worried about what they're going to cook for dinner and, you know, do I have vacuum cleaner bags and, you know, other important life-changing items such as these. <laughs> Right, right, right. Well, one thing I will firmly say that, you know, as far as, like, religious and stuff like religions are concerned is the fact that I do firmly believe that, you know, if you don't believe in something, you'll fall for anything. And if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Um, And it's, it's definitely true because, I mean, you have to have a foundation and a standard for living. So in that instance, I, I definitely you know, agree with with religion and everything else. But one thing that people fail to do, and I wrote a play about this called Greater Visions, and what the play entails is these people from a Buddhist religion, Indian religion, Hindu religion, uh, Christian religion, and so forth coming together because they're stuck in this place. And, And to me, it's my outlook of the world. We're stuck in this place. We're stuck in this park, and it's a beautiful park. It's a beautiful park, but we're ready to go home. And the thing is is that they couldn't get home because they didn't know how to get out of that place. And the only way they were able to get out of that place is to come together and realize that they had to do this certain thing to get out the place. And, And I got that from a lot of writers from the past in the Renaissance and stuff where you couldn't necessarily talk about government or anything else. So they placed it in place of the things that they felt and what they were trying to say. And what I was trying to say within that is if we all realize that if we all utilize this tolerance for each other and this hope for each other, that we can all eventually make it to where we're trying to go individually, religiously, financially, and everything else. Because what do we all say in the industry of acting and music and everything? It's all about who you know. So if who you know isn't in agreement with you um, as far as your method of of what you believe and stuff like that, they're not going to help you. So that's going to leave you in the situation that you're in or make you struggle even longer when you can get the help right then and there. So I think what it all comes down to is just tolerance, for us to be able to tolerate each other, tolerate each other for what we believe, who we are, and respect it and work together to be able to make the world better for our kids. I have three daughters now. And, you know, God forbid that, you know, I'm in a situation where I become old and, and, you know, I need somebody to take care of me and my daughters can't do it, you know, but yet and still there's somebody that can do the job, but they decide not to do it because of who I am as a person. That is so unfair. And I think that's the biggest lie that everybody has in, in, in our heads of, you know, oh, you can't do this or you can't be this or you can't do these different things because of, you know, what you're associated with. I think it keeps you from success. I think it keeps you from progress. 
and it does that to all of us. So I feel if we all just were able to tolerate each other and love each other, I mean, love is such a big thing. And, and you know, we all religiously talk about, you know, uh, Jesus or Gandhi or, or, or you know, all uh, Buddha and all these different people, they all talked about love and tolerance. And we can follow everything else in the Bible and the Quran and the Torah and everything else, but we can't follow the love? We can't follow the tolerance? Come on, right. you know? I know, man. It yeah, doesn't make sense. Yeah, we can do this, sense. but we can't do that. You know, like, come on. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. I get exactly what you're saying. I, in my first book, one, one of my favorite lines that I wrote was, you know, does a Christian stop to ask the guy who's hanging off the edge of the cliff if they're a Christian before he pulls them up? And that can go to Muslim, to Buddha, to you know, to to any religion or belief system. You right. don't. You just right. help the dude. You don't. I exactly. Mean, yeah, I don't care what belief system you are. If you need help, you're my. You're a fellow human being, and I, that's enough for me. I have, and it should be enough for all of us. I have one more. Go. Right. Right. I have this vision, right or wrong, I have this vision that that Jesus Christ would have first loved and accepted everybody he came across, right where they are, mm-hmm. how they are, whatever they think, whatever they believe, whatever's going on. Now, he may, through shining his love and light, encourage them to believe that they can actually be something in life or something, you know, or share with them his belief system if they ask, how are you so happy all the time, or something like that. <laughs> but right. but I don't think that he would have marched into a room and said, hi, I'd like to introduce myself. I'm Jesus. I'm the one and only way, and so pay attention. There will be a test later on Judgment <laughs> Day. I just, I just right, can't, right, I cannot right. envision the Christ that I know saying that. I just... You know, I'm sure it would make a good movie, and people would buy tickets. But, but, <laughs> wow. Oh, right, right, right. And really, that yeah, I mean, it, it's no different oh, if, you, if you're a Christian or you're, you know, if you're a Christian and you march into a room and you you announce to all the Muslims, okay, what you believe is wrong, and I'm going to inform you of the truth. You, They're going to shut down. And you have judged them, first words out of your mouth. Right. And right, so right, right. it... You know, I, I believe there's a time and a place for witnessing, we called it, in my church that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And, but sometimes it's just, you know, in the spot you're in, what you need is for me to sit there and love you while you cry. Time. You know, it, it's just, the love has to come first. Yes. Or nothing definitely. else works, you know. You can explain your point and be right or convincing or it doesn't matter if the love doesn't come first who cares nobody's listening and you know that's why it's so important for the way i portray myself and put myself out there as a speaker as a writer as as an actor you know because a lot of people ask me they say um you know what type of music do you do you know and i used to do music that you know it it wasn't bad you know but it did use colorful words and stuff like that you know, and so be it after, you know, I found, you know, I found God and everything else at a young age, you know, um, but more or less when I became an adult, you know, it became a situation where even with, you know, 
when I do speaking and stuff like this, oh, you're a Christian speaker? Are you a Christian actor? Are you a Christian musician or whatever? And that's not the case. I don't consider myself labeled as that. I consider myself as a speaker that happens to be Christian or an actor that happens to be Christian or a writer that happens to be Christian. You know what I'm saying? And there's a big difference. And the difference that I feel in it is because the fact that when people do that, it takes the sight off what you're really trying to do and what you're really trying to achieve. When I come into a room and they say, Darius, the Christian speaker, everybody that doesn't believe like I believe are going to automatically press the mute button in their minds while I'm speaking. And I don't want them to do that. I want them to hear what I have to say because what I have to say is very important and key, like what we're talking about today. I'm sure there's a lot of people that may automatically judge this radio interview thinking, oh, well, they think like this or they're thinking like that and totally cut themselves off. But one thing that I learned from a guy that was homeless and drunk, (laughs) (laughs) but very, 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 very wise, is to not judge and to take both sides of the story and separate the fact from the fiction. Separate that's, it. That's actually and one the of the things why, that we tell people on the show so often is whether you think you believe what we believe or not or agree with what we say or not, that's not why we're here. We don't want you to believe right. us for the sake of believing we want you to go out and seek out the answers that resonate with you, that your heart tells you right, right. are right for you. Exactly. And not just that, but just take it all in and then separate it. Because then when you separate it, you're able to look at it for what it is and the value of what it is. And the value of what I'm saying is that love is more important than everything. Even in the Bible, it so out of all of these things, the greatest gift is that of love. And love is important and tolerance is important because if you can't tolerate your brother, how could you love them? So it goes hand in hand. So when I share that with people and I show who I am as an individual, it leaves them more receptive to my message and brings them in to realize that, wow, this guy really is is, is deep, you know, and this guy really means what he says, you know. And so in that, like, main example of me, period, the reason why I would like to be financially well off or rich or whatever people call it is because of the simple fact that I want to be able to help someone else. The great speaker Zig Ziglar said, you will find your calling and you you will do well in helping other people. And it's very, very important because it's true. Like if you're helping someone else or if you're doing something for someone else, in return it will help you because if you're able to wash someone else's back, then when you turn around and you're going through some, they'll be able to wash yours and take care of you. So I'm definitely, I definitely believe in that, and I, I believe, hopefully, that if a lot of other people could rally behind this and realize that and, and start to exercise that and help out their fellow man and do all these different things that we used to talk about only around Christmas time and just do it every day, you know, it'll be a whole lot better. It'll be a whole better place for us to live raise our children, and be able to be prosperous. Oh, I agree. Amen. I couldn't say it much better. Amen. On that note, I think we should take a break <laughs> yeah. and uh, have a wee the song. Same thing. Have Amen. a wee break here with uh, with our friend Ina V, and then we'll come back and hear a little bit more about uh, 
the book you know, that he's when, writing. Yeah, when is the book oh, coming? When it's coming out. When he's speaking and <laughs> it sounds cool. websites where people can find him and all that good stuff. So. Uh, and how to definitely. get their hands on the original Freedom Writers book too, because I'm sure that you know anybody who hasn't read it should probably read it. Right, and he is one. That's one of his works. He's a co-author of the book. So, um, so this is our dear friend Ina V with her song Earth Prayer, uh, near and dear to both our hearts, and uh, you can find her at e n a v i e dot com ina v dot com. She's doing some magical things with the proceeds from this song, so check that out as well. But we'll be back in about five minutes. Stay with us, folks.
west and the thunder, of the east and the sun. In the north, the shining elder, and the south, our mother's womb. Toils above and below us, to the seen and unseen. Those who walked before and after, we ask your assistance to live simply. Please forgive us, for we know not what we do. And we thank you for all your help. Welcome back, everybody. We we had fun with our audio again during the break, and I'm glad it came together so we could get Jean at least a few seconds there at the end. I heard you <laughs> sigh. We got enough. We, I, I heard you sigh. It was good. Yes, yes. I, I love that little, song, but I love even more how much you love that song. It's just it's so cool. It's of music. It's always good for the soul. It is. It is. So... We need to know how to find Mr. Darius and 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 the book and does it the book out now or the book's actually coming out soon? Yes, the book is actually coming out on uh April twenty first, which actually is a very uh, important story to that is the fact that I was actually supposed to self publish the book um in November. And uh as I was on the road to self publishing, uh the very expensive road of self publishing uh come to find out um my book was picked up by a company publishing company called uh state publishing and so so hold on just a second i'm sorry oh that's all right that's okay so yeah it was picked up by uh oh no problem it was picked up by uh state publishing and because it was picked up by Tate Publishing, we're doing some other things with it, trying to get ready for uh, marketing and things of that nature and just trying to really, really uh, get it developed and ready. And it will be out April 21st, uh, 2013, which is actually my mother's birthday. And so I did that on purpose because um, all my life in the book, I talk about how I've tried to do things to show success, you know, show my mom a level of success because to her I had always been considered as a failure. And so one thing I got to do was take her to the premiere of the movie, but, you know, still that was a success as a whole with the Freedom Riders. And so be it that I was unable to do anything uh, I would consider as very successful, you know, during the time that she was living, she passed away in 2010 from lymphoma cancer 
So I decided to uh, put the book out on April 21st, 2013. That's so awesome. And I'm I'm yeah. absolutely sure that she is so proud of you. And I'm sure that before she left, she was proud of you. Yeah, you know, there were a lot of things that I wanted to do for her and, you know, buy a house and things like that, you know, or just have her be uh, able to, you know, just do different things that, that I feel she should have had the opportunity to do. Actually, I um, have a part here that um, the dedication that I wrote to her, and I just wanted to read it real quick if you guys don't mind. Oh, please. No, okay. absolutely. Please do. All right. So the dedication is still in the editing process, uh, you know, still. So I, I don't want to give out too much, but um, it says, Dear Mom, when I was created, I was placed in your womb. When born, I was placed in your arms. When I was homeless, I was on your mind. But when I became a man, I was on your heart. The reason I say this is because all of my life you carried me. And now, since you're gone, I'm carrying you right here in my heart, mind, and soul. I love you, Mom, and I spent most of our time, and we spent most of our time together on this earth trying to make you proud. Becoming a success was my tool that I wanted to use to put that smile on your face and that house in your name. I guess what I'm saying is my sadness isn't in seeing you die. My sadness is in not seeing you live. Because you dedicated your life to us, your children, you gave a lot for us, and there are many things that I wish you would have gotten the opportunity to do, and I wanted to make that happen. And I wanted to make that happen, but I guess at some point, as most of us will do, we just ran out of time. I guess that's why I worked so hard and diligently to finish my projects and meet deadlines, as I never want to feel that feeling of running out of time again until my time is finally up. And so there's more that goes into it, but you got to buy the book. Uh, <laughs> All right. <laughs> that's, so that's pretty much part of the dedication. And, and I like that line of uh, my sadness isn't in seeing you die. My sadness is in seeing you not live. And it's so many people that go through life and dedicate their lives to their children that they don't even take the time to live for themselves. So I hope that others can read this and realize that and start to do things. Go go on a trip to Japan. Go to the Holy Land or, or, or freaking go to Disneyland. <laughs> you know, do Whatever something that turns to you live on. your life. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah, there's a, exactly. a, a quote. I can't remember now who said it, but it was, uh, uh, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive, because what the world needs is more people who have come alive. Right, right. That's true. And That's definitely true. So you're so right. Just you, Japan, the Philippines, you could be a, a waitress in Canada and just have this sudden hankering to go to the Philippines. Go. Jean did. Worked out. Okay. She's I'll, all right. I'll send you the book, Darius. <laughs> yeah. She wrote a book um, about yeah, it you know what? Yeah, and in the book, there's a quote from my daughter who at the time, I believe, was about 10 years old. And um, when I, I, I'd never been separated from her for longer than two weeks. So I'd, you know, be going to the Philippines for a month was like, uh, ah, but I I had to go. I didn't know why. Um, 
So I asked her, you know, what what do you think about all this? And she said, well, you always telling me that I have to follow my heart and that I have to, you know, be who I am. But how can I do that if you won't do it yourself and show me how? Right, right. So I yeah, I mean, it's important. Oh, go ahead. So I went. And I, you know, <laughs> it was this, now I'm doing radio shows and... <laughs> Writing um, books and doing radio shows and having fans in Australia and Germany and the UK and Glasgow. Glasgow. It's crazy. Yeah. Crazy. It's crazy fun. We like it. And I know that yeah, I know that you must be having just crazy fun with your because you you go and speak, you do speaking engagements, um just to try and I think spread the gift, eh? To see if there's a Yeah. Darius in the corner of some room somewhere that you might shine a little light on. Well, definitely, you know, and I, I definitely am fulfilled within doing that and having the opportunity to, to speak. And, you know, I hope that people that hear this show would definitely be able to log on to my website, DariusOnline.com, and be able to book me for their various events because that's what I love to do. And, you know, one thing I'll definitely say is that once you do what you love every single day of your life, that's the day that you'll never work again. That was a quote that I heard from someone, and I picked that up and I used it because it's true. You know, you never work again the day that you decide to do what you love every single day. So what I decided is to do exactly that, is to, you know, be in a situation where I'm doing the thing that I love and not have to worry about, you know, uh, you know, the everyday life situations that I still worry about, but, you know, not so much. Um, Les, I think his name is Les Brown. He's a motivational speaker. Yeah. And he was talking about the fact that a lot of people have heart attacks at the time between, I think, 7 and 8 or something or 6 and 8 o'clock. And that's the time that people are getting up to go to work because they dread going to work, you know. And so I don't want to be one of those people. I don't want to be one of those people that die of a heart attack because of what I hate doing or anything like that, you know. So I love it. You know, I hope more people begin to book me uh, as a speaker. When the book comes out, hopefully it definitely will spread like wildfire because I want to get my message of hope and peace and tolerance out there and be able to have the opportunity to, you know, share this with the world and share my story with the world. Well, I hope they do too because uh, you're a real blessing. And uh, anyone that's willing to stand on their truth, share their story, you don't really have to make it more colorful. You don't have to have Hollywood special effects. Speak from your heart and... uh, People can hear that. Even when it's... People can often hear you if you're really speaking from the heart. People can hear you even if you don't speak their language. They know you're thirsty or hungry or whatever it is. Well, it doesn't have to be those things just to to meaningfully speak from your heart. It can just be, you know, a look of, I got your back. And it it changes things. It changes the world. It's, It's awesome stuff. So we will have in our in our archives we'll have all those links, but it's Darius Online, D A R R I U S 
online.com. Online. And yes. um, uh, folks can go there. There's sections there where they can learn about your writing, your acting, see the projects you're working on, the projects you've finished. Uh, I understand you right. got a book of poetry that you put out last year. Yes. And, uh, uh, poetic thoughts. Poetic thoughts. So for those that love good poetry and, you know, a, a type of poetry that's not your necessarily roses or red, violence or blue type poetry, that's definitely the book you would want to pick up. Um, because it's, it's, it's very important to me that I actually put that book out, Poetic Thoughts. I put that I put that out. It's only a small book full of poems because at the time that I did it, um, I was actually homeless, and I was in a position where, you know, I couldn't provide for my family or anything like that. And so because of that, I wound up in a situation where I um, – where I, I my hands were tied. I was like, I, there's nothing I could do. Can't get, you know, a regular job or anything like that. So what am I going to do? So what I decided was to put this book out because of the simple fact that it was to help feed my family as well as it was to help invest into the new book, which is Diary of a Freedom Writer, The Experience. And so, um, you know, I hope that people continue to uh, support it and, um, you know, because that that helps that helps my day to day. You know, um, I don't know if you guys hear, but I'm trying to I'm trying to muffle the sounds of of my kids screaming and playing in the next room. That's okay. Um, so, uh, so, so, that's, cool. so those screams that you hear, and you know, that's that's what this book helps support and and move forward. And um, you know, there's a lot of other things going on as well. Um, tomorrow. I will be on the Ricky Lake show. It airs. It's called The Misadventures of Parenting, of Parenthood. So my wife and I will actually be on that show. So for those that awesome. have television, that's awesome. <laughs> definitely. Just Ricky look Lake that for up. me. Or hug her for uh, me. Oh, well, well, no, we did the show already. It's airing tomorrow. <laughs> oh, it's airing tomorrow. Oh, okay. That's yes, cool. exactly. Airing tomorrow. All of our international and blog so, talk radio friends, you have the chance to catch them on catch uh, Darius again on February the sixth, I believe it is, on Inner Child Radio. Uh, our yeah, talking poetry with Brother Bill, just Bill, who is a poet himself, and and. Uh, uh, that's going to be a. He's that's all gonna about be a, love. You're going to love him. Yeah, that's he's all he. So he'll tell you that's all he really. It's all about the love, <laughs> and so that's well, why. That's why when love. when Dick contacted us, I said, you know, yeah, we'd, we'd love to have you on the show. Here's dates. Pick a date, but would you go talk to my friend Bill? Because <laughs> and and uh, uh, interesting story about Bill and I. Maybe he'll maybe he'll tell you one day, but. I'm looking forward to that show as well, and and thank you so much for your time with us this evening, and for all the and things. And I do hope you'll come back when the book comes out. You're going to come back, I hope, and talk. To yeah, me. I would actually like. I probably might visit you guys in person because I plan on actually doing uh, um, a tour with the book, and definitely trying to reach every single bookstore that I can. And just really, really put myself out there. It'll be exhausting, but I'm definitely up for it. I've been practicing my signature and my autograph since I was two. So, uh, <laughs> no, it's not good to work. 
<laughs> so yeah, so I, I definitely want to sign a bunch of books, um, you know, and I definitely hope this could help within this, my success because within my personal success, all I'm doing is flushing it back into the community and back into people that I can create jobs for and everything else. And those that are interested in working along with me, definitely please uh, go to our website. Um, There's different jobs and positions I'm looking for um, as far as assistance with me as managers and management and things of that nature. So also you can go to uh, my company's website, which is dentrepriseslc.com. That's D as in Darius, Enterprises with an S. LLC.com. So definitely go there as well. And, you know, it's all, hopefully it'll all be history. I'm trying to get my name on Wikipedia. Hey, there you go. Everybody needs a Wikipedia Sorry. page. And, uh, yeah, be sure and tell, be sure and tell Bill because he's what? Gene? Just the Energizer Bunny of promotion? Yeah, he is Janice. the Energizer Bunny of promo. And yeah, absolutely. director of. Promotion for society, Society Hill Music, and he's poetry. If it's got poetry in the name, Bill's there probably. So anyway, <laughs> uh, thanks so much. Who we got coming, Gene? I don't know. What I, where's my calendar? Help. Ah, uh, dude, I, you know like, what? Tuesday calendar. is a surprise. Tuesday is a surprise. Okay. okay Tuesday yeah. is a surprise. We like surprise days, and um, uh, <laughs> and then on. On Thursday, on the seventh, we have Julian Forrest coming, who uh, is a musician with long hair that Gene can't watch on video because he's too cute. So, be glad, everybody! It's radio; we won't have to look at him. <laughs> no, no, a- excellent musician. And uh, uh, then we have we j- we got another big month coming. We've got. It's starting to really roll around here. People are contacting us through Twitter. People's agents are contacting us. It's that magic 5,000 listeners a month or something. I don't know what it is. but Yeah, I'll I'm, tell you, I'll tell you what. Um, uh, absolutely. So, you know, I mean, as as our listeners are out there in, in podcast land, um, I don't know if you all know the website, but it's www.everydayconnection.me. Um, Rick and I are going to be contemplating some changes around here uh we've been tossing around the idea of going um approaching different networks um and uh making the show and expanding it because our podcast list has grown so much in such a short period of time and um we understand that we're reaching a lot of people but we'd love Um, to reach some more we'd love to reach some more so couple things we'd love we'd love some feedback from our listeners if you guys want to stop by www.everydayconnection.me because it's all about me um no, no matter give who's us some reading feedback it, or find me. find us on facebook uh at, at the everyday connection page and give us some feedback on on what kind of stations you'd like to see us you know approach and pitch to and um and, and if well, you've got we're doing friends all this, or people that you know that you think we should have on the radio, or if you think you should come on the radio, or you're scared to come on the radio but you know you got a great story, <laughs> we'll we'll push you into it. Then I mean, we'll drop we'll hold your hand while you do it. Yeah, drop us a line. Or if you have music that you'd like us to play, drop us a line. And uh, of course, as always, we are eternally grateful to those of you who have been supporting us financially. Um, and uh, there, there is a spot on the website 
for for donations because we do have to pay for the cost of the show. Um, so you know, thank you for and any love looking, in that area. Absolutely, and if you're looking for something, pop it in the search books box on our website because you we've got soon 200 hours of archived audio from amazing people like like Darius that we've been blessed to hang out with. So um, check them out. And we've got a, a crazy month looking to, to line up for uh, February. So um, stay yeah. tuned. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Big stuff. It's a Valentine's month and all that. Yes. Yeah. All about the love. All about the love, people. So uh, we hope you will join us on our future shows. Stop by our website. Uh, but until then. To each other to our mother, and certainly to yourself. Stay connected. Good night, everybody. We hope you'll join us again next time. Until then, visit our website at everydayconnection.me. And please like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash everydayconnection. Think you might miss an episode? No problem. Subscribe to our show on iTunes by searching for Everyday Connection Radio. Subscriptions are free, just like your Everyday Connection. And actually, So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life, the only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life, the only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details.